0: And this is Fast Money. Tonight's trader lineup, Guy Adami, Tim Seymour, Dan Nathan, and Karen Feinerman. Tonight on Fast, call it the ARC effect, the Kathy Wood effect. Whatever you want. This one fund manager has a following, what her moves could mean for the stock she buys and sells. Plus, shares a Moderna on the move after the company laid out its plans for its vaccine against the South African coronavirus variant. will be joined by the CEO in a first on CNBC interview. And is this the best looking chart in the market right now? One of our traders thinks so. He or she will make their case for why. Well, we start off with GameStop. It is back, and it's back big right now. Take a look at the action in the after hour session. This is 71%, 72% after-hours, and that is on top of a massive pop during the regular session. All the action happening in just the last hour of trading, more than doubling, getting halted for volatility two times. It wasn't the only meme stock on the move. In fact, AMC rose as much as 20% at the highs of the session. Costs rose as much as 70%. So is this the return of the Reddit trader AMC, by the way, and GME were two of the hottest tickers on the Wall Street Bets forum today. Guy, this is crazy. I thought we had left GameStop behind us. I mean, I thought other names would come up for sure, and I didn't think Reddit would be gone, but I didn't think GameStop would be back in this uh, fashion.
1: No, I I didn't think the, the, the Reddit trader would be gone, you know, the Robinhood trader, the Wall Street bets. I didn't think that was going away by any stretch. And we've talked about it a, a number of times. You know, we've given credit to a lot of those folks for identifying opportunities, understanding gamma, understanding convexity, all the things that make your eyes glaze over. And they've done it better than a lot of people who get paid to do it, number one. Number two, if you're asking me to explain this, I can't explain it at all. Sometimes the answer is I don't know. But I will tell you, I don't think it's coincidental that this happens a few after, hours after Charlie Munger comes out and makes some of the comments that he made. And I encourage folks to go back and watch that video if they haven't seen it. This is sort of like, OK, you want to do the get off my lawn thing, pal? Watch this. And I think maybe in the certain aspects, this is sort of the other side of the Charlie Munger interview. But i got to be honest with you. In my wildest dreams, I never thought we'd see GameStop back up to 200 which is where I think it printed a few minutes ago.
0: Yeah, um, it's right now at 146.05. We are watching this very closely. Um, Karen, what's interesting is that we were talking about GameStop yesterday because we had gotten news that the CFO was stepping down. Uh, And today there is some chatter that maybe he Mm. didn't just step out, step down, and maybe that there's a a grander plan uh, in the works here.
2: I mean, how sad would you be if you were the CFO and you stepped down and the stock was up $100, $100 because you left? I'm guessing it's not entirely correlated to him leaving. This is, I, it, it's insane, as uh, Guy said. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what to make of it. The Charlie Munger idea is as good as anything I've heard. I was wondering if Roaring Kitty was named the CFO. I don't know. I, I mean, I made that up. I literally made that up. So I have no, I, I, it's who knows who knows Careful. i can't believe it's back this quickly and that the whole the whole cost everything i think i saw best buy also getting a bid and i don't know what to make of it i mean if you saw what happened just last month was it three weeks ago maybe not even a month the both the shorts and the longs got burned of course people made money on either side but this is just a a powder keg i wouldn't touch it on either side
0: yeah um We should note that I I check the Twitter feeds, of course, everybody does these days. Uh, The kitty has been silent, has not posted anything since February 22nd. That's Roaring Kitty or Keith Gill, uh, in Mm -hmm. case you're wondering. And also Ryan Cohen, who is now a major shareholder, um, he is the co-founder of Chewy, of course. He did post a picture of a soft-serve vanilla ice cream cone. Um, maybe 15 minutes before this rise uh, in GameStop started in the, in, in the during the regular session. I don't think that's correlated, but I just for full disclosure, that's what happened on Twitter um, related to the GameStop story. Tim,
3: yeah. So I mean, maybe the good humor man or Tom Carvel or uh, someone's going to take a board seat. I I, I don't know, um, but uh, I, I do think you have a case here where. Uh, retail trading, the ability to have significant momentum flows move quickly uh, and and almost be mobilized is important. I, I think what we've also learned is this isn't just a retail trade. This is the, there are quote unquote professionals that are also involved in this, and a lot of their uh, the dynamics are technical. But to 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 try to overanalyze uh, you know CFO dynamics, uh, you know Hello Kitty. Sylvester, the cat, Morris, the cat. You know, it's more Look, this is if AMC and GameStop and a handful of other stocks are moving, why are we trying to understand what the the, the fundamentals are on an individual basis? This is a liquidity story. This is a liquidity dynamic. These are market technicals at work. Um, and right. No one expected this to go away overnight. And in fact, I, I think the surprise here is that we're back to stories that looked like they'd kind of had their run and fade. But but again, some of the best traders out there trade one or two stocks, and there's a reason for that.
0: Hmm. Dan, what's your, what's your take on what's going on? And did you see anything in the options market that sort of was interesting in your view?
4: Well, just on the options, you know, Mel, the, the activity that we saw today is very similar to the sort of activity we saw in late January. It was a lot of short-dated um, option buying, which just suggests that people are trying to play that short-term momentum and do it. Um, with defined risk and when you think about some of the circuit breakers and you think about the fact that Robin Hood was able to stop buys in the name, you know, I think maybe some traders are feeling like they'd rather risk what they're willing to lose with options premium. Um, but again, you know, I'll just echo what all these guys just said. I thought we were done with this in January. Um, none of us have the answers of what happened in January. I mean, to me, it seemed like a pretty well-orchestrated Ponzi scheme. When you look at the year-to-date chart in GameStop, you see that that 150 level when it broke out that last week of January, and then that 150 level when it broke, out, uh, broke down, you know, there was only four days it was above there. And there were massive, massive swings. There was numerous amounts of stops, lots of goofiness with um, Robinhood, that sort of thing. It's just not a real situation. And you can say to me, "What's real?" I mean, when you see a company like this gain 100, 200 percent in a day, the stock that is for really no good reason. If tomorrow morning we wake up and there's a new inv- uh, investor and maybe some activists, that sort of thing, it's kind of ironic. A couple of days ago, we we're talking about these smart activists in Kohl's. Well, there could be activists in a name like GameStop, and maybe. This the timing was right, you know. Maybe everything settled down. I mean, who knows? But it doesn't mean that you should go out in the aftermarket and buy it up fifty, sixty dollars. It doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense.
0: Um, Well, let's get some more on on the action that we saw in GameStop, both regular session and after hours. Uh, Bob Pisani joins us now. Bob, what'd you see?
5: Well, you know, obviously we don't know the why. Uh, I've been trying to look at the who, just trying to figure out the retail versus professionals. And what I see here doesn't leap out at me. Uh, There were 41 million shares changing hands. Melissa, by the 4 o'clock close, obviously a lot more after the close. And and of that, about 2 million shares of 4.5% were block trades. That would be considered a professional trade, over 10000 Uh, shares. And uh, most days in the last few weeks, about 4% of the total volume during the day has been block trades. So I don't see anything that really jumps out at me just using this metric. Obviously, the volume was a lot higher today, 41 million shares. We haven't seen that since February 5th. So the volume is much higher. Total amount of trading and therefore the total block trading was much higher than usual. But what it looks like to me is when this thing started lifting off at 230, 245, Everyone piled in, including the usual amounts uh, of block trades. And after hours I've been watching this, I just see tons of 100 shares or less going by here. Again, I don't see evidence of very, very large block trades. And, of course, as you know, Melissa, professional traders don't have to trade in 10,000 shares. They can easily disguise it now by pushing it through. So I'm not sure there's anything terribly unusual here. We just still don't know the why of the whole thing, Melissa.
0: So many mysteries to this trade. Uh, Bob, thank you. Bob Pisani. But you know what's really interesting here? The same day that GameStop is back, there is an outage on Reddit. Yes, an outage on Reddit. Uh, Let's get to Julia Borson, who's got uh, some of the details there. Julia.
6: That's right, Melissa. Reddit experiencing a widespread outage that started around 4 p.m. Eastern. It is, of course, now now back up and running. Um, The company posting on its status site and on Twitter, quote, we've observed a recovery and our systems are healthy. Reddit is operational again. This comes about half an hour after the company posted and said they've identified the underlying issue and systems are beginning to recover. And the outage did start at around four uh, around the close as that trading of GameStop spiked, Melissa. Do we have any sense,
0: Julia, as to how the outage impacted users? In other words, was it a geographical outage or was it by forum? Um, how, How can you characterize that outage?
6: Well, we're not getting any information from the company right now. I know that here in Los Angeles, I tried to log on to Reddit.com and it wasn't working at all. So it wasn't specific just to the forum, um, it wasn't just about Wall Street bets. It was something that was Reddit wide. The question of whether it was a nationwide thing or a global outage, we don't know yet, but we do know that there were many. Um, reports Down Detector reported about 52,000 reports of problems with Reddit right around 4 p.m. Eastern. So a real spike around then. Um, but I don't know whether this was a global outage, Melissa, or um, specific to different regions.
0: All right, Julia, thank you. Julia Borston on the Reddit outage. Guy, you're a conspiracy theorist at heart. So a <laughs> spike in reports of outages on Reddit right at the close when GameStop volume was perhaps the heaviest. What do you think?
1: You're, you're, you're leading me down the primrose path, but this one I'll be happy to go down with you. It also was on a day where apparently the Fed's interbank payment system had some sort of issue as well. I mean, I'm sure there's nothing to be concerned about there, and I'm, I'm sure the people are going to at me uh, <laughs> relentlessly on Twitter. What do I think? I don't know what I think, but what i tell you is I think the market structure has to be a concern. I mean, we talked about this a few weeks ago. We'll talk about it now. I'll be fascinated to see, if you recall when this all went down few weeks ago, you had that huge move in the VIX. Let's see if you see the same thing tomorrow. And in terms of GameStop, and if they've said something uh, publicly, I apologize. But when your company becomes sort of the, the tagline or the punchline of a joke, that's really problematic. Uh, and I understand the CFOs I get yesterday, but they really need to come out and address something at some point, I would think. Otherwise, this is going to continue to carry on. Um, So I don't have any answers for you, but it does seem a bit, the coincidence is a bit uh, shocking to me that on the same day Reddit, uh, the Fed's payment system, and the same day that GameStop, oh, and by the way, I'll mention Charlie Munger again. I think that, I think people watch it and say, watch this, Charlie, watch what we do now. And I think that was part of it as well, sort of a witch's brew, if you were, Mel. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, You mentioned a few weeks ago and the impact the Reddit sort of trade had on the broader markets. We did see somewhat of an impact. You know, you had hedge funds um, covering their short positions, liquidating some of their long positions. We saw some of that rotation happening at the height of of the Reddit frenzy. It's sort of a different situation now, though, Tim. So what would you be looking for? I mean, first of all, I would imagine that anybody who's going to cover large concentrated short positions have already done so. So maybe some of that liquidation is out of the system.
3: Yeah, and, and I don't think that equity positions or or cash balances on either, however you want to look at it. In other words, are, is is there a lot of cash on the sidelines? Are people overinvested? Where are overall hedge fund gross uh, portfolio sizes? Um, I, I think, though, you know, you haven't seen a flood of money rush back into the market, even though the market has, you know, more or less, reta- you know, regained some of those levels that were lost in the height of that volatility. I, I would agree. Look, uh, the VIX uh, plunged, you know, well below 21 today. And when you you consider some of the moves around the market, especially a tick on the 10-year up into the 140s intraday before pulling back. I mean, these are the things that have been inspiring some concern and some more aggressive volatility. It's hard to believe volatility can plumb a lot lower. And I think for investors that either are looking to buy protection, these are the reminders.
0: Yeah. And Dan, just, you know, quickly to wrap this sort of up in terms of the trading session today, what was interesting was a continuation of the reversal in technology specifically that we saw start yesterday um, and continue into today's session.
4: Yeah. At one point, it looked kind of scary when some of those me, uh, mega cap tech names this morning were down two, three percent. I saw um, at one point Apple was it looked like that that might lead the way. I, I would also add, Mel, you know, we're talking about some of these meme stocks. We're mm-hmm. talking about rotations. We're going to talk about Arc later keep a close eye on Bitcoin. And I know that this is not a stock, but it is definitely falls into the camp of of speculation and sentiment as it relates to other risk assets. And, you know, the the low yesterday was about 45,000. That was down from the high of 58,000, I think, over the weekend. And 42,000 was the breakout. So, you know, a lot of these things are pretty well correlated. And I know that there's a lot of crypto evangelists who say that, you know, Bitcoin is no longer correlated to these risk assets. Well, we'll see we'll see about that when we see um, you know what happens with the stock market next time around because they were pretty correlated yesterday
0: yeah karen what's your take on on that uh, in terms of bitcoin and the markets
2: oh i think that i mean they're correlated when everything's really terrible we saw in march right bitcoin i don't know how low it hit but obviously down i don't know 80 percent lower than here but I think that part of the Bitcoin story continues to be this, you know, spending, spending by the Fed. And I think we're, we're going to see that for a while. So I also think the other part of the story is institutional money and uh, even, you know, Fortune 500 balance sheets, which I'm a little less optimistic on, um, getting more and more exposure to Bitcoin. So I'm staying long.
0: All right. Um, GameStop, by the way, is up only 50 percent after hours. We'll continue to track the move. Coming up, we've got some after hours action. NVIDIA, the stock on the move after reporting earnings. We've got the numbers next. Plus, Moderna shares surging after hours on hopes for a new COVID vaccine. What's next for the company? We'll be joined by the CEO for answers. Much more Fast Money straight ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money Shares of NVIDIA on the move after the company's latest earnings report. The call is underway, so let's get to Josh Lifton with the latest. Josh.
8: So, Melissa, remember heading into this print, that stock had come under some recent pressure, but it was still up more than 100 percent over the past 12 months, up about 200 uh, percent since the low last March. In terms of results, beats on the bottom and the top for Q1. They're looking for about $5.3 billion. She was at $4.5 billion. Segments, gaming, $2.5 billion in the quarter. Data center, $1.9 billion. I checked in with Mitch Steves over at RBC, covers the name, notes Q4 margins expanded to 42 percent. Gaming, he called a blowout, and he talked about the Contribute, contribution of cryptocurrency mining there. Data center in line. Guidance a bit ahead sequentially. Despite this run-up, uh, Mitch is still arguing this one is a buy. It says it's the best pure play on gaming and AI. As you mentioned, the call is now underway. The CFO calling this a record quarter. Gaming business, she says, Record revenue up 67 percent year over year. Gaming, she's arguing, now a part of our culture. The gaming business, she says, will stay on a strong trajectory. Talked about supply, though. She did say stronger demand globally has limited the availability of capacity and components, particularly in gaming. Melissa, back to you.
0: All right, Josh, thank you. Josh Lipton, Um, we were just talking yesterday about how the bar was really high for NVIDIA to actually gain in the after hours on the back of even a strong report guy. And here we are up 1.4 percent.
1: Monster. I mean, listen, gaming's half the revenue now of the company. I mean, and even data center was, you know, Josh said it was in line. I got it as slightly better. It doesn't really matter. Operating margins, gross margins, I should say, north of 65%, which came in in line. Nothing not to like here. The naysayers will talk about valuation. The reality is they're in all the right places. So that 615 level, I think we traded up to the all-time high back in the middle of this month, just a couple of weeks ago, actually. I think we take that out, and I think this continues to grind. I'm surprised. Listen, I thought Qualcomm would stop at 148 It obviously didn't. But I think if you're looking for a cheap play, that's it. And AMD's a name we've liked for a while. But the NVIDIA quarter is
4: outstanding.
0: Yeah. Dan, your take?
4: Yeah. Not, not much more to add. I mean, it, it is outstanding. I, I think uh, Tim mentioned this the other night when we were talking about Netflix and was one of the first— um, big cap uh, tech stocks to report, huge beat, huge guidance, the stock gapped up to new all-times highs after being in a consolidation not too different than what NVIDIA has been in for the last few months or so, and it couldn't hold those gains. So the fact that it's only up about a percent and a half, and I know it's aftermarket, it doesn't really lead me to believe that this is the sort of quarter where investors are going to break this thing out in a meaningful way, but it does give you the opportunity, to Kai's point, where if you do see it lower or further consolidate, um, it is is probably a great candidate at some point for a big breakout.
0: If we are in a market, Tim, where investors are scrutinizing higher valuation stocks and there could be a bifurcation within semiconductors itself, do you think that a name like an Nvidia loses out to the gain maybe of a more, quote unquote, value oriented chip stock?
3: There is enormous bifurcation. So I think we, we, Guy mentioned a few of them. So, you, you know, you can go to value territory or you can go to NVIDIA that's 92 times trailing. I'm surprised no one's brought up uh, the other headlines, at least out of, out of the, the the tape here, which talk about a crypto mining card, which they expect to to produce 50 million of of revenue in fiscal Q1 of this coming year. Uh, that crypto mining was 100 to 300 million in revenues uh, in the last quarter. So it, it, you know th- these are reasons why the stock trades at a premium. Uh, I think we've also forgotten that the automotive sector has made a major major comeback. Their automotive uh, you know chip business was up 16%. So they're they're in all the the areas that deserve the premium and, and uh, agree on the chart. This chart's done nothing since August. And I think it, it's, it's something that is, is worth watching. And maybe people have you know, seen relative value. But uh, NVIDIA should trade at a premium. I don't see the premium coming out of it in the short to medium term. And if anything, I think you're buying weakness.
0: Yeah, the crypto kicker is, is really interesting because in the heyday of Bitcoin, Karen, as you remember, NVIDIA did go very sharply on the expectation that mining would continue at the pace that it was um, going on at that time. And here we are. You can buy a MicroStrategy, you could buy a
2: Square, or you can buy an NVIDIA. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that was the old heyday, I guess. This is a new heyday. New heyday, yeah. A brand new heyday of Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, I remember. And Then there was sort of the bust. And then that sort of went away as sort of an individual line item, kind of. But um, I, I think, um, yeah, there's, there's other ways to play it. I wouldn't play Bitcoin through NVIDIA. That quarter was really tremendous, though. But to Dan's point, I mean, to have it's up a little bit more now, maybe not 2 uh, percent. I mean, that that's a really high bar. You've got to have a quarter like this, you know, which was outstanding. I mean, just the magnitude of the revenue beat is so impressive that's a high bar. That makes yeah. me, you know, I, I, hundreds of points ago, I wouldn't have bought it, but uh, it's a tremendous job, but it's a little scary. All right. I mean, they're on the high wire here.
0: Coming up, late breaking news on the latest COVID vaccine from Moderna. We'll be joined by the CEO. You won't want to miss this interview. Plus, Kathy Wood is royalty amongst the Reddit community. We will dive into the rain her ETF seems to have over the market. The details and much more. Fast Money after this break. Welcome back to Fast Money. Set your clocks tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Carl Quintanilla hosts the CNBC special report, The Path Forward, focusing on small businesses. Don't miss it. Eight o'clock tonight. All right. Well, check out the ARK Innovation ETF closing in the red again today, now down over 9 percent this week. The moves by this fund have been closely watched by Wall Street News. Yesterday, that Kathy Wood bought more than one hundred and twenty four million dollars worth of Tesla stock. Sent the stock up after hours. It added another 6% today. Wood and her stock picks have developed quite a following among retail traders. One fan tweeting in response to Jim Cramer saying, Our generation loves her. For more on all of this, let's bring in Andrew McGormand of Wallach Beth Capital. Andrew, great to have you with us.
9: Hi, Melissa. How are you doing? Um,
0: you know, we were discussing uh, the move in Tesla yesterday and, and the fact that, you know, Kathy, we, that we learned Kathy had gone into the market to buy Tesla shares that day. Could we trace that move back to her? Does, does her ETF have that kind of power?
9: Uh, sure. I mean, look, if we're going to talk about scale, right? Every idea has scale no matter what wrapper it's in. The end of day move is after the fact that she told you she's in the stock. So that's your Reddit crowd saying we do what she says to do. I don't think yet her kinds of trades where she was buying in the morning is what kicked uh, Tesla higher. In addition, obviously, her ETF went higher as well. It was a reaction to, OK, the market sold off a little bit at that 940 low. She smartly buy. Remember, she buys as an institution. ARC is an institutional buyer. They come in and they plan out the impact that their trade's going to have on the market, however many dollars she was going to put into Tesla. The ETF itself trades at market makers. So they are handling the intraday of all those stocks, right? when When the ETF goes up, The market maker is selling the ETF and buying the stocks. When the ETF goes down, the market maker is providing the ETF to the selling retail public or institutional public and then selling the shares, right, making the move go on. So Kathy is not having to trade those intraday names per day outside of her normal PM. The
3: question I have is, the illiquidity, and this is an ETF question overall, that's in her portfolio, and it's not in Tesla. Uh, And again, we're we're not here to... to, Kathy's done an amazing job. Um, And she is clearly seen as a cult figure of sorts, and and good to her for that. There are positions in that portfolio that are disproportionately large to their underlying liquidity. And an ETF is only as liquid as its components or constituents, not necessarily, you know, how big it is.
9: Right. So... I'll give you you an example for scale, right? So everybody can understand what you mean by that. So, Karen, let's say you and I, I come to you with an idea and say, I've got $10 million. I want to launch this portfolio around technical indicators. And I'm going to trade that portfolio 10 times a year around these technical indicators, right? And it's going to make 20%. So the market behaves like I think it's going to We trade 10, 10 times as PMs, and it costs us zero BIPs to get in and out of that trade now the next year those strategies so popular because we raised 20 percent we raised two billion dollars just like kathy wood has right so now i have to do those same trades in the same names in the same technical indicators let's say all that's the same everything's lined up perfectly however it cost me 200 bips to get in and out of those names every time i trade i trade it 10 times that's a 20 percent drag on performance the strategy returns 20 cents, the, the trading of it drags 20%, zero return. So that's what could happen in this idea of, of the smaller cap stocks. It, it would be very hard to say that she's not having an impact on those names, especially when you add the Reddit crowd following her, maybe not necessarily ETF. I'm sure they are, but they're going out and buying the names that she has. And that's buying a trade after the fact. So it's buying a crowded trade after it's already crowded. And I would beware of that.
2: So let me ask you something on the heels of that. Does she have to disclose her moves or is she choosing to disclose them? What, what does the. That's uh, a great question. What so does she the is active, say?
9: Right. It's an actively managed ETF. Now, we've seen problems like this in actually passive ETFs, right, that are large, where the trading public, the pros, know these moves are going to happen because it's out there to happen. She certainly does not have to disclose, like she did not disclose yesterday, I'm sure, that she was going to buy Tesla on a dip because then all her Reddit people would have bought it and made her buy disadvantageous, right? So she has to disclose, there is a period where she discloses, you know, outside of the 13F, certainly to the market makers because they need to know how to hedge, Um, but it's an actively managed process and it is not a, Karen, it is not a cut and dry, here's my portfolio, 30 days. Here's what it is. And I'm going to tell you what I do before I do it. That's why it's actively managed. Right. We always talked about, hey, if Stevie Cohen back in the day had an ETF, it would have been brilliant. But why didn't he do it? Because he doesn't want to tell everybody what he's doing before he does it. But in the actively managed ETF, she has some ability to do those things. Mm-hmm.
0: Andrew, thanks so much for your insights. We do appreciate it. Andrew McGorman. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, Guy, what's your take on all this?
1: It's in, I don't want to get wonky here, I yeah. don't, but this reminds me of what happened you know, back in the day with the Goldman Sachs Commodities Index, where the market knew they had to do certain roles certain days of the month, and the market would get ahead of them, and you know, in our language, run them in, and to a certain extent, that could potentially happen here with Kathy Wood. I think what will happen is she will adapt, like all great baseball players do when pitchers start to figure them out. I think that's what will happen here, but make no mistake, when you get to the size that she is now— There are going to be a lot of people out there trying to get ahead of whatever positions, whatever trades she has to put on. It's going to be fascinating to see how this thing morphs over the next few months. Yep.
0: All right, coming up, Airbnb's first earnings report is on deck since going public. Our options markets predicting the stock will go higher? That trade ahead. But first, Moderna shares on the move after the company just released new findings on its COVID vaccine. We'll be joined by the CEO next. Much more fast in two. Welcome back to Fast Money. Checkout shares in Moderna surging after the company said its vaccine for the South African COVID variant is ready for human testing. Um, We've been watching the stock go higher year to date and also in the past 12 months, Guy. But at this point in time, with the economy on the on hopefully the cusp of reopening, is this still a trade or do you go airlines, concerts, hotels, travel, you know, Expedia, et cetera?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think Karen would say play the downstream plays, mm-hmm. And that's correct. Although I do think they probably got ahead of themselves. Karen has also said correctly that as opposed to Pfizer, Moderna's in a much better position mm-hmm. to sort of, and I hate using the term when we're talking about this, but it is a show about trading and finance, better position to, mo- uh, to monetize things. And I think that's what you're seeing now. So it's not only about, you know, the COVID virus, it's about everything else going forward and what Moderna has figured out. So At 10 times or so potentially next year's numbers, you know, at $150, you can start doing the math. It's not an expensive stock. So I think your downside has been this sort of 115, 120 level, and who knows what the upside is. So to answer your question, yes, I still think you can play Moderna here.
0: Karen, has your view on on this as a reopening trade changed at all now with the new variants and the need for Moderna to continue to test and develop potential variants of a vaccine?
2: Well, I think it, beyond just variants, right? I wonder is this going to become the kind of thing where you just get this flu shot or this mixed with a you know what I think was more traditional flu shot every year, and instead of this being a you know this one or two-time giant thing that it's a recurring revenue stream, um, that would that sort of changes the idea of valuation, right? When you get some recurring revenue, that having been said though, I don't own it. I mean, good for them. It's just, the whole story is so extraordinary. What they and, and Pfizer and others have been able to do. But um, I do think the story is changing in a good way for them. Yeah. But I don't own it. And a
0: recurring revenue stream, if we can be sure or have some sort of certainty as to the pricing of this and that the pricing of this won't become a, you know, the, the vaccine won't become a commodity, so to speak, because of all the other competition, Dan. I mean, that's that's another key element to this whole puzzle.
4: Yeah, and then you have the, the the risk of down downstream, you know, going generic, that sort of thing. I, I think the, the big innovation that these guys are talking about is also this mRNA um, technology, right? And so their ability to kind of attack some some, some new um, diseases with drugs very quickly. So this company is going from zero revenue to expected um, $10 billion and is going to be trading five times sales. And I think one of them said, you know, expected about 11 times earnings. I think the market is going to be willing to give Moderna a pass, especially as we don't have have a ton of visibility on how long this um, disease might be with us and what these boosters look like or these other variants so to me I think guy's math is probably correct and if you see this thing back below the levels he's talking about closer to a hundred, I think people start buying it there yeah and, Tim? like with two fifths
3: well look uh, you know I think there's there's a lot of different ways to attack and and to to to, to discuss to analyze the Moderna valuation. Let, let's also just take our hats off to Moderna and to the pharma community for extraordinary speed, extraordinary, you know, just expertise to, to, to get the science to where it needed to go. And and if you heard the CEO today, he also talked about they're, they're going to possibly be uh, ramping up to 1.4 billion doses next year. So again, start to use your models and look at it this way. Um, you did ask about the the reopening trade. And look i I just you know look at the price of oil um this isn't just about a weaker dollar this is about demand and supply getting on board look at look at the way the airlines are trading almost as if they are not going to be uh running into headwinds in terms of international and business travel that we think that they will Um, the pent-up demand dynamic of the reopening trade is such that you're going to see overshoots on the upside in the same way you did on the downside and therefore, traders, you know, be, be, be ready. Big opportunities. Um, and then at some point it's not. But uh, the, the opportunity is far from over on these reopening trades that people are looking at relative to where they were pre-COVID.
0: Yeah. And in increasing production sharply, in my mind, Guy, and you just sort of like follow the, you know, the dominoes, right, means a faster reopening, means a hotter economy, means more. Infl- I mean, the, the dominoes go on and on and on in terms of what that will impact.
1: No question, and that's a conversation we've been having for months now. It's at what point do these higher interest rates, instead of becoming, instead of being a tailwind, become a headwind? And I've said it; I'll say it again. I think one and a half percent is that level that was support on the downside for the last ten years is going to be resistance on the upside. We start getting through one and a half percent in the ten year, then we have to start to change the equation. So, in this case, a great economy might not necessarily be great for the stock market. We might find ourselves in that position in the middle of the summer. We're not there now. It's clear that the market still is looking past it, but you bring up the exact right question in terms of what we should be looking at in the months to come.
0: All right. Well, let's get straight to Meg Terrell. She's got the Moderna CEO, Stephen Bensell, on the phone. Meg, take it away.
10: Mel, no, thanks so much. Stefan, thanks for joining us on the phone. Apologies for not being able to get your Zoom working. Um, let's first start with the fact that you have already shipped this new version of the vaccine tailored to the B B1351 variant associated with South Africa to the NIH for clinical trials. You already broke, you know, set a record essentially with the first vaccine. I think you said 42 days to design, make and deliver that. How many days was it for this one?
11: Uh, Good evening, Meg, and thank you for the invitation. Yeah, this one was around 30 days. You know, the team has done even a better job than last year.
10: So 30 days to be able to design this really from scratch. I mean, what does this mean in terms of being able to chase the science for the coronavirus? And how long do you think the regulatory process is going to take to be able to prove that this would work against the new variant?
11: Yeah, so the FDA has been very helpful in setting up a guidance that we do not need as the industry to do an efficacy study like we did last year because we're just changing a few letters on the message to instruct the cell to make the spike protein, to make a new spike protein, a different one. And so uh, they have said hundreds of people, not thousands of people. And because it's a boost, that would be only one dose. So as you can imagine, you get in the clinic, you try a few different dose level or quantity of vaccine. And we said our dose would be 50 micrograms, the prime vaccine dose. And uh, once you, you figure out the that dose that's a good neutralizing antibody, then you just scale by recruiting more participants. And you, the month after you take the blood draw, you have neutralizing antibodies. And that's the data that the regulators are requiring. So we're talking you know, literally months, not quarters like last year.
10: Mm -hmm. And you've also made announcements today about your manufacturing capacity, making investments to potentially be be able to make 1.4 billion doses next year at that 100 microgram dose. And as you're saying, the boosters could be half that. So maybe 2.8 billion doses available in 2022. And the fact that you're working on all these different variant booster ideas and boosting manufacturing, what does that say about what you expect for how long COVID is going to be with
11: us? So, as we've said for a long time now, uh, we don't think COVID is going away. But we think that with the right vaccine technologies, we're going to be able to get COVID under control, which is what we need. You know, flu is still with us and has been for a very long time on the planet, and we've learned to live with it. And we have a technology today, like Messenger RNA, that makes this possible. And the reason we are increasing manufacturing is we are in daily contact with governments around the world, of course, also the U.S. government. And we are seeing a lot of demand because people are realizing that mRNA vaccines are very high efficacy, that the speed is actually second to none in the business. And because we can combine different mRNAs in the same dose, uh, we can do multivalent, you know. Uh, And so what we've committed as a company is that we're going to be chasing this virus until it's fully under control. If it requires us to do, you know, Brazil 2.0 three months from now or UK 5.0, six more from now, we will do so. We test those variants of concern into the clinic. We can combine them into uh, the right boost. And so because of that very high demand and that uniqueness of mRNA, uh, we uh, think that we have to increase capacity to do the right thing for the world. And so, as you say, 1.4 billion, assuming uh, the high dose, but given we're going to be testing 50 micrograms and lower, uh, indeed, the capacity could be two billion, two point eight billion, depending on the product mix and depending on the final dose, because it could also be lower than fifty micrograms. Mm.
10: I wonder about your plans also, because your first, you know, variant-specific vaccine uh, targets the the variant that you know, we associate with South Africa and now is spreading to other countries in Africa. Are, do you have plans to test this vaccine in those countries where this variant is circulating and? You know, your vaccine, I think, is emerging as sort of a premier vaccine that rich countries want and have access to. But will poorer countries have access to it as well if it indeed is the best one for the variants circulating there?
11: Yes. Yeah, so for the testing, Meg, uh, we're going to follow FDA guidelines and uh, the regulators believe like we do as well from a scientific standpoint that vaccinating, you know, participants in those clinical studies, measuring neutralizing antibodies and testing that in vitro against the virus is a very good way to prove scientifically that the the vaccine is working, making enough antibodies to get the type of protection that we've seen last year. In terms of access, we're extremely committed to access. We already have quite a number of partnerships with governments in middle-income countries like Colombia and a few others. We have a lot in discussion to add for 2021, but also, of course, COVAX. We have made proposals to COVAX since August last year, a few days before Christmas, we submitted a tender to UNICEF, which is the procurement arm of COVAX. We are having very good discussions, and I hope that we can close that uh, soon so that we can start shipping the Moderna vaccine to low-income countries.
10: All right, Stefan Bancel, we'll leave it there for now. We appreciate you being with us, and it sounds like there will be a lot more news coming from you guys. Thanks again. Thank you, Meg. Mel, back
0: over to you. All right. Thanks so much, Meg Terrell, for bringing us that interview. Moderna shares are at 5.4 percent right now. Let's move on to Airbnb shares. They are jumping ahead of its first earnings report as a publicly traded company. Um, it's out tomorrow. Let's bring in Mike Co for more on how options traders are gearing up for this debut report. Mike, what would you see?
1: Yes, debut report. So right now, the options market is implying that this will move about 10 percent higher or lower by the end of the week. That's actually not that much, considering it moved just under 7 percent today alone for its first earnings report. Maybe you would expect a little bit more. Most of the flow over the course of the last 20 days has been bullish with calls outpacing puts by about two to one. That continued today, although not quite as much calls outpacing puts by about three to two today. And the most active options were the weekly 200 strike calls. 4,200 of those were trading for about $9. And the reason it's a little bit lower than the price where they closed, of course, is because of the rally that we saw in the shares today. But this is among the many stocks. It seems to be popular with people who are trading in small sizes because the average trade size was just four contracts.
0: Tim, Airbnb or Marriott?
3: I think Marriott. Um, look, I, the valuation of Airbnb was, I think, turbocharged out of the gates. And, and I think there's still a lot of room to to, to proof of concept here, not, not that they, their business works, but that it can make money uh, and they cannot burn through a lot of cash. Like I, you know, I, I look at the hotel opening trade, and I think if you look at the, the Marriott uh, story or Hilton vacations, um, these are stories where actually you are seeing free cash flow generation. You've actually seen a recovery a lot faster. And, and as I said, I, I think the pent up demand here means that they overshoot on the way back.
0: All right. Thanks, Mike, for that. And we'll see you Friday. Friday, of course, being the full show of Options Action, 530 p.m. Eastern time. Coming up, we're heading to the barnyard with our very own Jane Wells, or should we call her Farmer Jane?
12: (laughs) (laughs) Well, not quite yet, Melissa. But look, the pandemic has been very good to farm equipment makers as many Americans have left the city to go into the woods to grow stuff. Most of it legal when fast money returns.
0: Welcome back to Fast Money. Shares of Adco hitting an all-time high today as hobby farming has taken off during the pandemic, leading to an increase in purchases of small tractors. But the catalyst behind this monster performance might not be what you think. Jane Wells joins us now with all the details. Hey, Jane.
12: Hey, Melissa, look, I'm going to show you a stock chart because I know you want a stock chart, but not yet, because look at it. It's beautiful out here. Where I am right now is a 44 acre property owned by banker Nick Penfield. It was his vacation home, now his permanent home because he can work from here. And he discovered on the property a wild apple orchard. So like a lot of Americans during the pandemic who've gone out of the city into the country, he's taking up hobby farming, starting with a deer mower. And he plans to spend 25 grand on a small tractor next.
5: Right now John Deere has been offering 0% financing. I'm sure there are other manufacturers that do that. So you can buy a tractor with no money down and have the equivalent of a car payment at 0% interest. So it's incredibly attractive.
12: Uh, well, small tractor sales are the fastest growing segment of the industry and Agco, which makes Massey Ferguson, also 0% interest, has seen sales of the under 40 horsepower machines grow close to 30% last year, uh, but it's also seeing higher corn and soybean prices help full-time farmers like other equipment makers is doing virtual showrooms during COVID and showing off new machines like robots, which help with the annual labor shortage problem.
5: Interestingly, our strongest market uh, forecast right now is in North America and South America. There's the combination of high commodity prices, which is sort of a global thing, in combination with a more local thing, and that is pent-up demand. In North America and in South America, there's been a few years where farmers have held off on purchases, so now they're coming back into the
8: market.
12: So it's kind of a win-win. As you said, Agco hit a all-time high today. It's tripled since the March lows. Deer has done almost as well. And Melissa, Deer raised its dividend today 18%. Back to you.
0: Jane, I feel like um ER visits because of tractor accidents is going to go up to <laughs> some point now. Well, you're be... a
12: city girl at heart.
0: Yeah. Well, you know,
12: these are all these are all city
0: people really, right? So, Jane, thank you. It's great to see you as always. <laughs> Jane Wells, the one Take and care. only. <laughs> all right, Dan, you actually flagged industrials here on the call. Best looking chart. Well, listen,
4: Yeah, you look at that XLI, that's the S&P Industrial Select ETF. It's breaking out to a new all-time high. It's been in this long consolidation. And if you like that, Tim has been all over some of the Boeings and and the GE, and Karen's been on the UPS, and Guy has been an animal as it relates to cat and deer. You see what I did there? Um, That's how you play it, with the XLI breaking out here. So um, I think that's a pretty good-looking chart, and it probably goes straight to 100.
0: Was Cat your final trade guy yesterday or the day before
4: Who knows? I I did a meow thing. We've been talking about Caterpillar
1: since the spring. And I think, by the way, I think you can stay with Caterpillar, and I think analysts are going to have to start jacking up their numbers. But the backstory, for those that don't know, apparently Jane rented a car today, and she was going like 25 miles an hour on a highway because her check engine light was on. Can you imagine the irate people in Maine beeping their horns at Jane Wells? That should be on video. That's pay-per-view for me, just an FYI.
0: Um, Tim, what do you think about what what happens to all these tractors after the pandemic? (laughs) People go back to city living.
3: (laughs) Well, I I tell you, I'm a buyer of one, at least I I, my John Deere lawn tractor. I might be the only guy on my street that cuts his grass, much to the embarrassment of my neighbors. But um, I do. And so I'm I'm a buyer of one. Look, I I, I think you have some trends and some trends also in uh, organics and food safety that are not just in hydroponics. And some of the things that we talk about uh, but also in the light industrials. So I think are these trades that are uh, pandem- pandemic only? No way. Uh, and, and I do think that that's part of this migration also out of the city and people that are doing more at home.
0: All right. Up next, we got your final trades. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Fast Money. You want to check on shares of NVIDIA. It is down now by about 3%. Um, of course, the stock in the after hours was initially higher on in the back of its results, which by all accounts is a very strong quarter, a huge revenue beat. So it'll be interesting to see how this one trades in tomorrow's session. Again, NVIDIA shares down now by about 3%. Time now for the final trade. Let's go around the horn. Tim Seymour, what do you say?
3: Yeah, the breakout in oil is really something I think has... Continued legs to it. Schlumberger, hated by the analyst community, fewer and fewer oil service plays, a name I like a lot.
0: Dan Nathan.
4: Yeah, we just talked about that XLI chart breaking out. I think you use about a 90 or so stop to the downside, but I think this thing's going higher.
2: Karen Feinerman. We got one of those little tractors, too. I don't know if you've ever seen... My husband, middle market lender on a tractor. I've it's kind seen of a that scary it's, thing, it's but quite a sight. I know. It's it's quite a sight, yes. But anyway, in this awesome. market with the rates going up, I'm looking for value and I found it lows. It's been down the last few days. Earnings today, they were sort of foreshadowed yesterday by Home Depot. Cheap to itself. I like it right here.
0: All right, Guy, you know, we should note that, you know, Nvidia may have turned lower, but GameStop is still holding strong in the after hours on no news. (laughs) It is higher by about 60 percent. Guy, what do you say? Final (laughs) trade.
1: Yeah, I will tell you that once a year, Karen Feinerman eats candy. That would be tomorrow. So an early happy birthday to (laughs) K-Fine ahead of that. Obviously. This is all the Eddie Arnold trade for you Green Acres fans out there. And Apache APA just reported Buy It On Weakness.
0: All right, that does it for us. Thanks for watching. See you back here tomorrow at five for more fast mad money with Jim Kramer starts right now.
6: Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential.
0: With Capella University's game-changing flex path learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away.